And this morning was another time that he allowed me to realize how just smart he is. I know it sounds crazy, but I know the Lord is a genius and he knows everything. But I was just thinking this morning when I got up early this morning, actually last night I saw it like snowing sideways. I said, we predict the weather people try to predict when it's supposed to be a lot of snow and it don't, then it don't be a lot of snow and then they predict that it won't be and then it is. So they don't know. But I watched it snowing sideways. I said, ooh, a lot of snow on the ground. And so I woke up this morning. Of course, you know, God is the most important thing to me in my life. And whatever he wants is what's most important to me. So I got up this morning. I said, well, let me get my stuff together. I didn't bother any of the kids. I didn't bother anybody. I just got up, went outside, check it all out, shovel the snow, clean off the cars, and, and, and warm up my car. And then the very next thing, once my car was warmed up, I drove over to the fire company this morning, came, came right here, and then a U-turn in the parking lot and just smile. We're not responsible for cleaning the parking lot. We're not responsible for getting the snow off the sidewalk. God sent us here, and on a day like this, where it's challenged for many churches, we had no challenge. None of you had to do any shoveling. I remember many years doing shoveling, and I said, my goodness, God, we don't know the future like you do. And so I just thank God this morning that we're able to come into the house of the Lord and to worship him. And we didn't have to clean up the sidewalks and we didn't have to shovel the parking lot and we didn't have to pay any extra. Now I might be messing myself up, but they don't ask me for anything extra towards the rent for all that stuff. So God is a good God. He knows what he's doing. Trust him and follow him. Amen. For the past few weeks, I've been talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And I'm still going to keep the, 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 the message geared or centered around the kingdom of God. Today, we will deal with a different aspect of the kingdom of God. The first week we talked about the kingdom of God. We said the kingdom of God is, 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 is not tangible. The kingdom of God is not something that you can touch. The kingdom of God is not something that you can see. In Luke, the Bible says the kingdom of God does not come with observation, meaning that you can't see the kingdom of God. Luke says the kingdom of God is within us. And so if you are a born again believer, you truly been born again of the water and of the spirit, the kingdom of God is within you. The physical kingdom, when you're talking about a nation or you're talking about a country or you're talking about some territory or land, if you're talking about a physical kingdom, Genesis, if you're talking about a physical kingdom, what it means is that territory, that country or that nation is ruled by a king. That's what the kingdom, and so when Christ came, he was preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. When we talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we're saying they're interchangeable. They're the same thing. But when Christ came, he preached about the kingdom of God. What I love about our God is he knows that we are people that deal a lot with what we see, deal a lot with our emotions. And so when he ministered to us when he was here on the earth over 2,000 years ago, he used physical, tangible things to bring a point out so we can understand. So when Christ came and he talked about the kingdom of God, he was getting the people to understand what his kingdom was going to be like because the people had an idea of what the physical 
earthly kingdom is all about. And so the way how the physical earthly kingdom was governed was going to be similar to what Christ was going to introduce to us. So the physical kingdom has a lot of, 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 of similarities as the spiritual kingdom. And so if you want to know about the spiritual kingdom, you want to study a lot about the physical kingdom. Because kingdoms came about when Christ established Almighty God before he manifested himself in Christ. He said, my kingdom. So, so, so when you're talking about the King Saul and you're talking about David and you're talking about Solomon, back then God was operating a physical kingdom here on earth. But after all that has been abolished, we now know Christ came and preached about a spiritual kingdom. And so the spiritual kingdom is now, the Bible teaches us, is within us. So when we become born again of the water and of the spirit, the the kingdom of God is no longer physical, it's spiritual. And so you can't see it. That's why in the book of John, the, the Bible says you can't see the kingdom of God. Because you can't see it. It's not something visible, but it's a kingdom that is within us. But here is the key that I want you to think about when I talk about this. I told you that the physical kingdom, it becomes a kingdom when the king is ruling over that kingdom. And so if we're going to allow God to be our king, he's going to have to rule in our life. So just like how he rules over a physical kingdom back then, we had kings ruling over physical kingdoms. Now God is saying, think about that. If I had a king ruling over a physical kingdom, now I want you to make me your king so I can rule over your life. So the kingdom of God is God ruling your life. Is God reigning, taking control of your life. I don't know about you, but because we're trained to feel and believe a certain way, we don't like to hear that word, somebody ruling in our life. But let me tell you something, friends. I don't have the capacity to make my life work out well all the time. I don't have the know-how and the knowledge and the intellect to make my life work out all the time, to have situation go the right way all the time. And so I'm completely comfortable in turning my life over to God and say, God, you rule and you reign in my life. Because whatever the Lord do is always good. Even if it goes against how you feel, even if it stirs your emotion the wrong way, if God is working in your life, it's always going to be good. The kingdom of God. I learned so many things when I went to Israel, but one of the things I learned when we went up to see the soldiers, when we went to the border of Israel, Lebanon, and um, Syria, we learned something. One of the guys that, that, that's the go-between between the soldiers and the, 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 the people, the civil people, his name was Aton, as I mentioned on Thursday, and he said... The word Malkia is a, is a Hebrew word that the soldiers learned from a youth, young person. Word Malkia. And he said the reason why the soldiers are so, so dedicated to defending their country Israel and so dedicated in serving their country, it's not so much the country. 
why they're so dedicated. But that word Malkia is what every soldier in the army of Israel knows. And that word Malkia means this. God is my king. And all the Israeli soldiers that serve in Israel, they go around saying Malkia. And whatever they do, they're doing it because God is their king. I heard a story that was told about six or seven soldiers that was in the desert fighting against armed forces from another kingdom over in the Middle East. And and, and somebody stepped on something that was going to explode. And so when the guy realized that it was going to explode he told some of his uh the, the other soldiers to go because this is going to explode and he laid on the grenade and said Malkia and he died exploded on him because they're serving in the army of Israel for their king not the people if we can stop and realize what that's about, we, we, we know in America we protect this country because of our freedom. And I'm, and I'm certain that in Israel they're trying to protect their freedom as well. But the main duty of the soldiers is to serve because God is their king. Will we get to a place as the children of God that whatsoever we do, we will say, Mount Kia, because God is my king. I'm not doing it because the government say, is good. I'm not doing it because the politicians say it's good, but I'm doing it because God is my king. God is my king. And so that's how they serve. That's the, that, that's the mentality that they have because they're serving in the kingdom, physical kingdom. We went and we talked the next week after the kingdom, we talked about being a citizen of the kingdom. My wife said this morning we're having a citizenship meeting next Sunday after after service. And and why do we say that? Because we're trying to get away after we have studied and understand that the kingdom of God is about citizenship and not about membership. Once we get to that place where we understand that it's about citizenship and not membership, it now becomes clearer to you and make you realize I want to be a citizen and not a member. And so we talk about citizenship that in, in, when you're dealing with citizenship, a citizen of a country have more privilege and power than anybody else. And so when we become citizens of the kingdom of God, as opposed to being a resident or a member, then we obtain all that God has in store for us. We talked about how people been coming to church and they've been, 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 been abiding by a membership principle. And when you abide by membership principle in a church, it makes you feel used at times. Come on, somebody and talk to me. That's what has happened over the years in churches that we abide or we went by membership. And we like to say membership has its privileges. Well, membership might have its privileges, but I want to tell you citizenship is greater than membership. And if we will take that attitude of citizenship about the kingdom of God, our life will be changed and it will never be the same again. I mentioned to some of you that, that, that as, as, as a person that was born in a foreign country and came here, it's all good to be a permanent resident. 
but it's not the same like being a citizen. And if you get that concept that as a Christian, we're supposed to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and not the member of a church, then our life will be changed. We will be revolutionized in our thinking if we will realize that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and not members of a church. I don't want you to be a member of Christ-centered church. There's only one church, and the head of that church is Jesus Christ. But he's also the king of kings. He is the ruler and governor of his kingdom. And we, the church, we're in his kingdom. And that's what we want to realize. You see, when you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you are linked up with him. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. What it means is whatever he inherits, we inherit. And when you're operating from a citizenship standpoint, you realize you have inheritance. You're not just a member doing some work and people having rule over you. In membership situation... We feel like people ruling over us. And people get a little, feel some kind of way because some people take advantage of their position. But when you operate from a citizenship standpoint, first of all, me, from where I'm standing, I realize, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a, a, a part of the structure of, of the government of the kingdom. See, the king, Jesus, is the king, and he's the shot caller. And all of us, as we serve in his kingdom, we're just doing our part. But at the end of the day, nobody... See, as citizen in God's kingdom, I don't get more than you. You don't get more than me. If we're operating as citizens in the kingdom of God, we all get the same. We all get equal value of what God says we deserve. So there is nobody that's greater than anybody. It's only the king that rules in the kingdom. I want to be in the kingdom. I don't want to sign a roster to be a member of a church. I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Citizenship. There are Muslim, there, there are Arab Muslims that have left their country, whether it be Jordan, whether it be Saudi Arabia, wherever it is, they left their country, Syria, Lebanon, and they are Arabs and, 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 and they're Muslim. They're Arabs that are not Muslim, in case you want to know. So just like, you know, anything else, you know, don't mean because you were born in a Muslim country, you got to be a Muslim. It just means you were born as an Arab. So they're Arab Muslims that left their country and migrated to Israel. And they're living in Israel right now. And what some have said is, I will rather be a third-class citizen in Israel than be a first-class citizen in Jordan. Citizenship. They left their country to go to another country in order to become citizen. But they're saying the citizenship is so powerful that they're saying, if I become a second class, third class, or fourth class citizen, as long as I'm a citizen of that country, it's better than being a citizen of some other country. And so, the, the, again, the, 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 the thought behind this is, I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. I won't be a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. I won't be a third- or fourth-class citizen in the kingdom of God. I will be a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
And so we talked about the kingdom and we talked about citizenship of the kingdom. Today, I want to talk to you about this, the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom. We talked about citizenship. Today, we want to talk about the culture of the kingdom of God. Because that's important for us to understand. It's important for us to know the culture of, 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 of the, the, the kingdom that you belong to. None of us are born with a culture. Nobody in here is born with a culture. But we are all born into a culture. Nobody is born with a culture. You don't come out the womb and you just got your own culture and you understand what's going on. We're born into a culture. And so culture is widespread throughout all the earth. Listen to what culture can be defined as. And you're probably going to say, what was that? But I'll explain some, explain it for you. Culture can be defined this way. The integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior that deepens, that, uh, I'm sorry, that depends upon the people's capacity for learning and transmitting the knowledge to succeeding generations. And you probably say, eh, I don't know what that is. Let me give it to you in short. Culture means to grow in a prepared medium or to grow in a prepared standard. So when you have established a standard someplace, in some territory, in some country. Everyone that's born into that country is born into that culture. It's already there. When you're born, you didn't get born and all of a sudden you made the culture. You're born into the culture. Where are you going with this, preacher? When we're born into the kingdom... There is a culture already established. The king has established the culture in the kingdom. And so if we're going to be a part of the kingdom, we got to abide by that culture. And for years, the people of God, when they get born into the kingdom, is fighting against the culture. We're worried about what other people think about us. We're worried about how we look to other people if we carry that banner of our culture. But unfortunately, if you look throughout our world, if you're Jamaican, you have a culture. If you're American, you have a culture. If you're African, you have a culture. If you're Middle Eastern, you got a culture. And most of these countries all around the world, they don't have a problem saying, look at my culture. I'm going to make my culture be known to everybody. Well, church, what are we waiting on? We need to stand up and say, I'm going to make Make sure everybody know what my culture is of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. I am not afraid of what my culture is. I'm not afraid to say, look at the culture that I'm belonging to. Because it's the culture of the kingdom. We're worrying about culture. We're worrying about what people think about us. We're worrying about how people respond to us. And it's so, so, my goodness. You look at the Muslims, how they look. The women don't have a problem wrapping themselves up and walking around. And we're worrying about how we look. You look at 
the, the, the Jews, the, you know, I flew back, coming back with a lot of them, flew going with a lot, flew back with a lot. And, and, and they don't have a problem. The young men, they're growing their beard. You'll, <laughs> they're growing their beard. It's not shaped up, Brother Tony. Their beard is not shaped up. It's not all tight like yours. Their beard are all over the place, you know. They can't control it. They just let it grow. They got the hair that twirly come down by the side and they got the hat and they got the clothes on. They're looking a certain kind of way and they don't have a problem. Malkia. God is their king. And so they wear their outfit. They wear their whatever they wear proudly. When we're going to come to the place where we say Malkia. God is my king. I'm going to adapt the culture of this kingdom and I'm not going to worry about what anybody thinks. The culture of the kingdom. Each of us arrive here on earth in a prepared medium. The country and culture of our birth. Immediately we begin to grow in that culture. That culture shape and influence by its customs by its values, by its moral teachings and social codes. We learn the language and laws. This is also where we learn prejudice and hatred. And it is also where we learn jealousy, greed, and pride. Your culture can shape you and your culture do shape you. One of the issues that some of the Middle Eastern countries have with America, which is still silly, but that's just how they think, they they feel like the Western world, the U.S., messes up culture. Well, if it's messing up culture, don't come here. <laughs> but that's how they think. They, they, that's the problem that they have with the United States and, and Canada and even some places in Europe. They feel like their culture get messed up when they leave their country and come here because they feel strongly about culture. There's more about culture than we really realize. And so when you are, uh, are in a place where it's not the same culture, you could be challenged. And so some of them are having a problem with the U.S., but my, my message to them is just don't go there. You can't have one without the other. And what they want is an opportunity to prosper financially but still be able to have strong culture. Don't work that way. You got to give and take. There's always something about, you know, giving and taking to, to obtain what you want. You can't have it all your way. So we're born into this culture physical culture. We're living in this culture. It's teaching us all these different things. We've learned so many different things and we're going about life how the culture teaches us. Then one day, Brother Barry, we discovered the kingdom of God. And now we learn that the kingdom of God is, is, is God's kingdom. And, and God is saying we must be born again to get into his kingdom. And we know that if you get into his kingdom, we're going to have to learn his culture. And that's where the problem starts for all of us. That's where many of us are today, is accepting the culture of the kingdom. The church is the kingdom of God. And the church needs to embrace her culture. It's going to get tight in this final hour, embracing your culture. 
but you need to embrace your culture. John chapter 3, verse 3. Many of us know those passages of Scripture, but again, God want me to keep on going back to this. If we're going to talk about kingdom, God needs me to talk about this as much as I can in the time that I minister. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except, except, nobody, the Bible says, Jesus says, red letters, Jesus is saying, except, there is no other way. We can't talk it. We can't allow our emotion to get into the way. We can't try to justify it. We like to justify things. What if my mom is laying on her deathbed and she asks God to save her? Will that work? Except, what if, you know, they go to church and an accident took place and they just, you know, getting ready to die and they, they confess on their deathbed? Except. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So in order to get into the kingdom, we must be born again. So if you've never been born again, I, I, listen, I want to tell you so, so as nice as I can, but I got to be straightforward with it is there is nothing more valuable in this world than for us to become children of God, to be born again, to, to, be, to be adopted into the family of God. There is nothing more important than that. And we can't play games with that. I don't want to play games with that. I don't want to explain that one away. I don't want to justify that. When it come down to being born again give it to me straight give it to me clear let me understand it and I'm not going to let my pride hinder me from saying well I didn't do that so I need to do that we allow our pride to get into the way with our our, our one opportunity our, 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 our one way of getting into the kingdom let me say it that way so God and instituted one one way to get into his kingdom one way he's not a he's not a god a author of confusion he's he's not a god of confusion he doesn't have a lot of different ways he said one way except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god Amen. and oftentimes we allow ourselves to get the pride get into the way we've been going to church for years and, 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 and because of our pride, well, you know, I confess. And we justify, we explain, come on, people. This is your soul. You don't have another soul. This is your soul. You don't have another one. And if you make the mistake of not being born again, you can't enter. You can't see his kingdom. There is no other way to get into his kingdom. And you can only be saved if you're in the kingdom of God. Only those that are in the kingdom can be saved. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Give Nicodemus some credit. Nicodemus was a smart, intelligent man. He wasn't no slowpoke. He knew his stuff. He was looked upon as a real wise man and had some clout in his community. 
and he wanted to get it straight. Why wouldn't we want to get it straight? Nicodemus said, hold on, Jesus. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's asking questions. That's what I love. See, see, I know when people are truly people of God, I knock on people's doors and tell them about God all the time. And some days I knock on doors and they come out and they start telling me stuff. Some days you knock on the door and they want to tell you, well, I'm a Catholic. They tell you all this kind of stuff and I just stop and say, they can't fool me. I didn't even have to have the Holy Ghost to know. The bottom line is when you start telling me stuff, I know if, if, a, if anybody knock on my door, I'm going to hear them out. Because guess why? I know I know the word and I know the truth. So instead of challenging them, I'm asking questions. Why? I want to make sure they're straight. And I want to make sure I'm good. So instead of telling, I'm asking. I think that's how Jesus did things. If you read your Bible, didn't he ask a lot of questions that he knew the answers to? Mm -hmm. Well, that's how I feel as a Christian. I don't have to push stuff down your throat. When you come knocking on my door, I'm asking you, so what do you think about this? So what do you think about that? That's if I know my stuff. But if I'm trying to protect some kind of religion that I'm following, then I'm going to tell you, hey, this is this and this is this. This is what I believe. I'm Catholic. That's the big, they love to tell you that when you go to the door. I'm Catholic. And all they're really saying is, let me follow my religion and leave me alone. But somebody needs to tell people the truth. That your religion, following your religion will not get you to heaven. Trying to push people back because your pride is getting away because you've been going to a, a religious organization for 30 years. and You've been going to a religious organization for 20 years. That means nothing. It's about you getting into the kingdom of God. Without being in a kingdom, nothing means nothing. And somebody needs to tell them that. So Nicodemus is asking questions. Jesus answered in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus made it clear and said, you've got to be born of water and of spirit. If you're not, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. How plain and clear is that? Jesus made it plain and clear. Nicodemus got it. Got it. Jesus went on verse 6 and says, That which is born of flesh... His flesh. He wanted them to know, I'm talking about something spiritual here. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Look at verse 7. Marvel not that I say, or that I said unto thee, you must be born again. We can't, we can't get out of that. Jesus says, you must. What about if I confess? What about when I was a baby? I got baptized. What about this and what about that? What about when I got baptized, you know, when I was, you know, young person? Jesus says you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. We must be born again. Very clear. The only way to enter into the kingdom of God is to be born again. We're talking about the culture of the kingdom but you must know how to get into the kingdom first. And you can't just get in the kingdom. You must be born into the kingdom. In order for you to be a citizen, what, what's the easiest way? We know there's some people that come to America, Brother Fox, I'll say it. They ain't got to say it, but I'll say it. They come to America and they want to, their child to have citizenship in America, so they made sure they have a child in America. 
because that child is an American citizen once it's been born right here. So if that's what makes you a citizen, the physical, I tell you all the time that the physical always will help you with the spiritual. And if you have to be born in America to become American citizen, then you must be born again to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You can't get it no other way. I, I know you want to say, well, what about, you know, people that go and, you know, they eventually work with them and they, what they, what they call it? Y'all know the word. When you still become a citizen, but you weren't born there. Naturalized. Thank you. That, 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 that's true when you hear about the naturalization of people becoming a citizen. It's still a process to become naturalized. You can't just get up in there and there's been a lot of people that try to become a citizen. They turn them down. No, you won't. So. To be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. I'm talking about the culture of the kingdom of God. I really wanted to deal with the culture thing today because it really rocked my world and just opened my eyes even more going to Israel and realize how proud of their culture they are. And we, as the people of God, are always worrying about fitting in in our world. We're always worrying about what people think about us in this world. When this world, if they belong to it, that's their culture. That's their culture. I'm not mad at you. You know, Israel have allowed Arabs and Muslims to come in their country and live and even have their own religion or do what they do in Israel. And it's scary to think about how the Muslims will go in Israel and they will have their, the, the Temple Mount that is in Jerusalem right now is, you know, the big old iron, gold dome, whatever. That's Muslim stuff. It's not the Israeli stuff. The Muslim destroyed, well, the, 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 the Romans destroyed the Temple of Israel and, and the Muslim Herpin built their temple there. So now the big dome of the rock that you see is a Muslim thing. And Israel allow that when Israel can just destroy it anytime they want. Israel have the greatest army in the world. They do. Now, U.S. have a bigger army, but U.S. send their Navy SEALs to get trained in Israel. Nobody know counterterrorism like Israel. As I told you, one of the most impressive things that I saw in Israel was when we went to the Valley of Armageddon. We looked over, and there's a strip in the Valley of Armageddon where... The Israeli Air Force is stationed, but you can't see any airplanes. All the F-16s are underground. So just think, low place in the earth, as you know, Israel, at the Dead Sea, that's the lowest place you can go on earth, Dead Sea. But the valley of Armageddon is also pretty low down there. But under there is where the Israeli F-16 fighter jets park. And when it's time to go, you can stand and look over the valley, and all you will hear is noise. Something just coming from under. You're like, where did that thing come from? Underground. They sharp. My point is, they can destroy anything any Muslims or any Arabs is doing in their country. They can. But they allow them to be in their country and to worship their God, and they won't mess with them. That's something to say for people of God. That we're not here to tell other people how to be. But what we're here to do is be who we're supposed to be. 
That's what Israel is doing. We need to learn from them. And this is what I mean by I understand the culture. They are letting the Muslim be who they are. They're saying, do your thing, leave us alone. Well, why can't we, the church, do it? Let the world be the world and let the church be the church. I'm not mad at you for looking the way you look. I'm not mad at you for being the way you are. But don't be mad at me for operating on the culture and the principles of the kingdom. Why can't we do that? I don't mind what the world do. Will I be a light and will I allow them to see my light shining when I get an opportunity to tell them about Christ? Sure I will. But I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to give them a hard time for what they're doing because that's their culture. You can't expect them to live in a different culture than what they are. But we, the children of God, the people of the kingdom of God, should not live in the kingdom and have a different culture. We're having, we're trying to have the culture of this world while we're supposed to have the culture of the people of God. I want to be proud of my culture. I want to live out my culture that people will know I'm a child of the king. Culture is important. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be afraid to live out who I am as a child of God to know this is my culture. I'm getting close to an end. I know that we did a little extra today, but I'm getting ready to go there. I told you I won't preach long when I started church. I said I'll do my best to give you the word and get out the way. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you become born again, you enter into the kingdom. You become a citizen of the kingdom. You are now a brand new person. All the stuff that used to be shouldn't matter to you anymore. Everything is supposed to be brand new. We have a whole lot of New things that we need to learn when we get into the kingdom. But we also got a whole lot of old things that we need to unlearn. You you didn't hear me. When you get into the kingdom, we have a whole lot of new things that we need to learn. But we also have a whole lot of old things that we need to unlearn. And that's the battle sometimes we're facing that we won't unlearn the things that we need to unlearn. We, 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 we've been living in the kingdom of this world for so long and we've learned the culture of this world for so long that we're holding on to it and we're carrying it with us. And when we get born again and come into the kingdom of God, God is saying uh, you need to learn the new ways, uh, the new culture of my kingdom uh, and unlearn the those other things because those ways and those culture don't come into my kingdom. They don't work in my kingdom. We got to unlearn some stuff. Let me tell you this. Uh, we, 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 we struggle with learning the things of God and, 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 and letting them work in our life because of this simple fact here. Check it out. Somebody asked me the other day, why when I go to church and the Bible says cast your cares or lay it at the feet of Jesus at the altar, whatever. Why, when I do that, I sincerely do it, but somehow it seems like I pick it back up, and they never go anywhere. And the Holy Ghost quickened me. That's why I love to get involved with people, because the Holy Ghost will help you, because people are searching, and God will give you what they're looking for. 
And the Holy Ghost quickened me and says, when you unload stuff, you unload stuff. There's a void now. And if you don't fill that void with some other stuff, that void is still there. Which means if you don't fill it with the things of God, when you unload those ungodly things, you will go back and pick back up that stuff because there's a void there. There's something still there that needs to be filled. And so the only way we're ever going to pick up the things of God and move forward is when we unload the things that are not of God, we got to pick up some more things of God. See, if your hand is full with some stuff that's wrong, you will never be able to grab a hold of the things of God. you got to let it go and let it go let it go and then you gotta grab some new things and that's how it's gonna work the void is still there that's why if we pray for someone that's filled with evil demonic spirit and we lay hands on them and we pray the prayers of faith and they're delivered from that spirit you gotta keep praying for them you got to pray for the Spirit of God to fill them because if the Spirit of God don't fill them, those same evil spirit that was within them can come back with more, seven times more than what was in there to fill that void. We need to fill the void when we unload. we got to fill that void so we can take part of the kingdom. The culture must be in our life, but we must unload. We must unlearn some things. It's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way it's going to work. We're trying to have the culture of, of the kingdom working and the culture of the world working. It won't work. We got to fully give this thing to God. We got to surrender everything to God. We got to learn his culture. He's showing us. He's showing us the culture. And we need to grab a hold of it and stop worrying about it. Part of the culture in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6, when you start in 31, somewhere all the way to 33, it says, it says give no thought and what, on, on what you may eat or drink or what you may wear or all these things that are trivial. God said, give no thoughts to those things because God knows your need. He said, but seek ye first. That's a cultural behavior that we won't live by. We want to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, where we're going to live. And God says, I'm the king of the kingdom. I will make sure you eat. I will make sure you're provided for. You just got to seek my kingdom. That's a cultural situation there that we won't embrace. We're still trying to make our way. If you're in the kingdom, you don't make your way. The king got everything under control. You can't make your way in the kingdom. The king has it under control. Now, if you live out in the world, you're going to try to make your way. That's why I say it's good to come in the house of the Lord and give my tithes and offering. Because once I do that, the king got to provide for me. See, see, when I pay my tithes and offering, I give it. The king got to make the way. I can't starve. He told me not to worry about what I'm going to eat or drink or anything. All we got to do is just trust the king. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I ain't going to go no further. The culture of the kingdom. We, we need to embrace the culture of the kingdom. New things. New things 
God is introducing to us when we give our life to him. When we enter into the kingdom, there is new things that are, that are, that are coming to us, and we need to, to, to allow the new things to come into our life. We don't need to push them out. We need to embrace the new things because God says, behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. That means all things in view of our mind. We, we think differently. We see differently. We process differently when we really get transformed. When we're born again and we're, we're, we're now in the kingdom of God, everything is different. Everything is different. We're supposed to see different. We're not supposed to struggle with the same way. And this is my last scripture. If you will stand with me, I'm giving you the last scripture. The culture of the kingdom. Here is something that you need to think about concerning the culture of the kingdom. We must embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. It's new to all who become born again, but it is what encompasses the kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says this, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Put off your old man. You're new, brand new. You're born again. You can't operate the same way. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and truth, true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Be angry and sin not. This is cultural stuff. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil, culture stuff. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. We're supposed to edify people when we talk. We shouldn't bring people down when we talk. We should edify them and that it may minister grace unto their the hearers and give not the whole and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking but put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. We're talking about the culture of the kingdom. What we value reveals who we are, and who we are reveal is revealed in our culture. Our values define our attitude behavior and view of the world if we are going to live in the culture of the kingdom of god we must learn the values of the kingdom of god i want everybody to get to the place where you're no longer embarrassed to 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 uphold the culture of the kingdom the bible says that man should lift up their holy hands everywhere, praying always. Brothers, we shouldn't have a problem praying wherever we are. I watched it in Jerusalem where they don't have a problem praying wherever they are. 
We went to the Western Wall, which everybody called the Wailing Wall, and nobody had a problem lifting up hands and praying. Everybody was just in tune and praying. The Bible says we must lift up our hands and pray. We shouldn't worry about it. Culture encompasses what you eat, what you wear, how you behave. It's all a part of it. Sisters, we shouldn't worry about how we look. Just know that you look the way God wants you to look. When I talked to this rabbi coming back on the plane, I was telling him, he said, um, because they're Hasidic Jews, they call themselves extremes. And I started telling him, he told me about how they looked and why they looked. They're trying to please their king. And they said they must stand out. How they look is because they're standing out for God. And I told him, because the first thing you want to tell a Jew, because he thinks that most, most Jews think that all Christians believe in three gods. Unfortunately, they think that the Vatican... <laughs> The Roman Empire is what governed Christianity, unfortunately. So you got to get with them and let them know that you believe in one God. And you let them know, just like you're extreme, I'm extreme. I started telling him that. I said, I'm extreme. I said, I don't wear just anything. He looked around. I said, yeah, I believe in one God like you. And I don't wear just anything. I, I, I dress a certain way to let God know that I belong to him. I want him to look down in the earth and say, yep, that's one of mine. I'm okay with that. What are we going to get okay with God looking down and saying, it's one of mine. It's how the Jews feeling that. They wear, it don't matter, they wear their long coat and their hair and their hats. And they said, we're doing it for the king. Let him look down and say, that's one of mine. If we're going to become born again, if we're not born again, we need to become born again. We need to become citizens of the kingdom. And we need to adopt the cultures of the kingdom and not apologize to anybody. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be indignant. You can just do what you're supposed to do. Most of the time we see the Hasidic Jews and we think that, man, they must be just crazy. And man, I had a really nice conversation with them. You know another thing I saw? He was really nice to me. I'm always moved by when people are nice to me. Because people don't have to be nice to you. So when they are nice to you, they're choosing to be nice to you. And he was very nice to me. But final thing I learned from him on that trip, I watched the Jews when they all came on the plane. I don't know, probably 200 of them. The plane probably carry, I don't know, 400 people, 500 people. But at least 200 of them. And most of them, as y'all, we like to tease Jews and say they're cheap. They ain't cheap. They just frugal. Stanley, they frugal. And they, they just, they, 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 they are good stewards. Good stewards. So I'm saying that to say most of them had carry-ons. No, no, no big suitcase. And so you must imagine how packed the overhead bins are. And they will stand up and fix it. And mm. I got on the airplane kind of before a few of them. And so... He came on and he saw my stuff there. He fixed it in the corner, put his, and God, somebody else had put his, and then it's two pack, and he trying to close it. And I watched it. I'm sitting there watching all this. But what I saw that moved my heart, they helped one another. Barry, they helped one another. Moved me to tears. I watched one walk from this point and, and say, hold on, I got this. And he stepped up. 
mm, fix the suitcase and make sure it's right and tight and mm, close the overhead bin. And I watched them watch each other. And they wasn't at peace and at rest until all the Jews on that plane, their overhead bin was fixed right. They shift stuff around just so the overhead bins was shipped right. They're in the kingdom. They're physical in how they handle themselves. We're supposed to be spiritual in how we handle ourselves. The love that they demonstrated for one another. And they don't all live in the same place. They live all over, but they know you a Jew. I'm a Jew. I'm supposed to take care of you. They take care of each other. They don't miss. It don't matter. You a Jew, I'm a Jew, I take care of you. When Jew lend people money, they don't take their money back on interest. That's Bible. If I'm a Jew and you a Jew and I let you borrow $1,000, when you pay me back, you don't have to pay me with interest. But if I let it to a non-Jew, yeah, they got to pay me back with interest. They got this thing down pat. They just, they just don't know the Messiah came. But they know what they're doing. They follow this book. I learned they blew my mind with this culture thing. And we need to get to that place where we'll look at always, that's my brother, that's my sister, I'm taking care of them. We don't need to talk bad about nobody. That's my brother, that's my sister. If I don't have nothing good to say, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But we need to take some lessons from how the Jews operate. Won't you lift your hands and just worship the Lord? Our culture is to worship Jesus. Our culture is to magnify the name of Jesus. Our culture is to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Our culture is to not deny Him. Our culture is to live, give our life to Him. He said, they that will give their life for my sake will gain life. And they that will try to gain their life for themselves will lose out on life. Let's begin to uh, um, embrace the culture of the kingdom of God and never be embarrassed, never be ashamed to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm in the kingdom of God and I will embrace the culture that God has established. When I became born again into his kingdom, I was born into a culture. I was born into a medium, something that was already established. I was the one that established this culture. The Almighty God established this culture. And when He brought me in, I came into this culture. Lord, help me to embrace your culture. Lord, teach me your culture that I will learn the culture of God and unlearn the culture of this world. I no longer want the culture of this world to be upon me, but it is the culture of God. It is the culture of the kingdom of God that I want to embrace. Father, move in our soul and move in our spirit today that we will fall in love with you. Fall in love with being a citizen of the kingdom. Fall in love, Lord God, with the culture of the kingdom. God, to not be embarrassed about who we are. To not be embarrassed about who you are as our king. Lord, help us that we will fall in love with the culture. Fall in love with everything about the kingdom of God, that Lord our worship and our praise we will not hesitate to give you the worship and the praise you so deserve, not just inside these four walls, not just inside our homes, not just inside of wherever we may be locked in, but wherever we go that we will lift up holy hands wherever we go, Lord God, that we will praise you, that people will know who we are, that we are a peculiar people, that we are a royal priesthood, that 
we are a holy nation. Wherever we go, Lord God, that we will stand and say, the Lord is our God. The Lord is our King. Malkia. Malkia. For God is our King. We will lay down our life for our King. We will give ourselves to our King. We will allow the King to rule in our life because it is our culture. It is our culture. We are the citizens of the kingdom of God. We are the people of the name. We are the people of the faith. We are the people that God has brought into his kingdom. And God, today I pray that you will transmit to your people something will happen. Destroy the yoke of bondage. Set them free in their thoughts and let them no longer be ashamed. No longer be embarrassed. But God, that they will stand before you and worship you. And they will give praise and honor to you. God, I pray that if we have not been born again,